Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes... to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid One with a special guest host this week. I did not say the Intrepid Three because one, I want to wish Kylan a speedy recovery as uh, he is off trying to get himself better. Uh, Eric and I warned him about taking the Gila bus up above 6,000 feet Um. I think he went 6,000 feet one inch and discovered why. So, Kylan, here's to a speedy recovery to you. Get better. Uh, two, Eric's not with us. And I say us because, like I said, I have a special guest host, and I'll get to him in a second. Eric's not with us because Junior Agent Mac um, had the last bit of smarts removed from his head the day before we are recording. Uh, with his wisdom teeth being removed and is chipmunking it big time. Um, so we wish Mac a, a, a speedy recovery as well. Um, so that leaves you guys wondering, well, if Eric's gone, Kylan's gone, who's with me? Well, the person who I confuse names with on Weeby Geeks is here with me tonight. How are you doing, Derek? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Guys, one week I actually got it right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to uh, say that I had nothing to do with either Kylan or Eric not being here. It was not a part of some evil plan for me to come on the show. That's all I'm going to say. This is true. This Whether is or true. not you choose to believe that is up to you. Um, I will say uh, business stuff out of the way quickly. Check out MightyMarvelGeeks.net. On the homepage, you got superhero stuff. Uh, they just introduced some new hero boxes, um, like a Captain America box, which looks great. Um, I think they're still running the Defenders box. There's a Star Wars box. Why do I say Star Wars? Because Marvel has the Star Wars license. Who knows? They may throw a Star Wars comic in there. They've been known to put comics in them in the past. Um Zoe actually got a Wonder Woman book in her box. So it was kind of cool. Really? Yeah. Um, cool. Check out Ripped Apparel. Right now through December 3rd, they are running buy one, get one half off. But even if you miss the sale, they've got some great 
Marvel mashup shirts on the site. Uh, they got some great geek culture shirts on the site in general. Um, it's still coming. I will get it up sh- shortly. But we have a couple of new affiliates coming online. Uh, do I have Loot Crate up there already? No. Loot Crate you could get through WeebyGeeksPC.com. That's the network site. I do believe I have Loot Crate set up there. All of these help the show, helps us help um, bring better content to you guys, um, and, and just keep things afloat. So, um, want to contact us? Contact us at MMG at MMGMightyMarvelGeeks.net. Find us on Facebook and then Twitter, Facebook, Mighty Marvel Geeks, uh, page and group, Twitter, at Marvel Geeks. We're always there to answer questions, and we try and get back to you as quickly as we can. On that note, quickly as we can was that trailer that dropped, and totally um, borderline shut down the internet. Mm. And, like, and like I said on Facebook and whatnot, I squeed like a little girl. Yeah, it was. Uh, I've already watched it a, a few times. It's very exciting. Yes, it is. I I will say I I am uh, for I'm a huge Star Wars fanboy, and of course this week this is hour two of Mike and Derek here on Sorcerer Radio. If you're listening to us on Sorcerer Radio, um, <laughs> being huge Star Wars fanboys as we are, for me it, this had the feel and the vibe of a Star Wars movie. Yes. Yeah, I I will agree with that. This has got me excited like a Star Wars movie. Um, the other Marvel movies, while, yes, I enjoyed, except for Thor and Thor the Dark World, or how they could also be known as Loki and Loki, King of the Underpants. <laughs> um, this... Yeah, I love the Cap trailers. I thought they were well done. Um, Guardians was well done with their trailers, um, with the way they vibed everything in. Um, the Avengers movies in the past, the other ones, have been good. Iron Man's been okay. This had such a strong um, Star Wars vibe to it and feel. It had me excited in that manner. Ah, It was so good. And I'm waiting for the second Black Panther trailer to be the same way. Mm. So, although the first Black Panther was pretty good, yeah, it was good, but it didn't have it. It, it didn't go the Infinity War route. Mm. It, it's it's something about Infinity War that just has that that Star Wars vibe. It's the best way I can compare it is this is the Marvel Star Wars trailer. Guardians was not there. Um, if I had to say anything with Guardians, it, Guardians was the Star Wars prequel tra- trailers <laughs> at this point. With this trailer, this is the OT Star Wars trailer for Marvel Comics. So, what did we miss or, or what did we learn from the Infinity War trailer? Uh, well, first off, we learned that Vision becomes a real boy. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe not, but um, he has a some he, he almost has a 
a data-like presence now, briefly in the beginning of this trailer, where you know we know he's a a synth synthesoid um, comprising of you know vibranium and organic tissue. Um, but we also see later too that he he goes back to the the full say what android look. Yeah. Um, but even in the human mode, we see him with the mind gem still lodged in his, in his forehead. Um, so, but the surprising thing is right now he looks very similar to actor Paul Bettany. (laughs) Imagine Um, that. So, uh, number two, the spidey sense. Well, okay. We're going from Uh. bottom up 10 to 10 up. Number nine, the Spidey Sense exists in the MCU. Um, we talked about this briefly on We Be Geeks. Maybe the reason why we didn't see it in the for, in Homecoming is maybe he hadn't developed that yet. And maybe it's something to do with the Stark suit that has caused that to escalate. Could be. Um, which that part I didn't bring up. So, see... We talk about stuff on each on our on our own shows. Well, this is my own show as well. But like Derek also runs Keepers of the Fringe, and he'll bring up stuff there, bring it up on Weeby Geeks, and it ends up adding to it because he he's had even more thought on it. Or we'll talk about it on Weeby Geeks, and he ends up adding more thought to it on Keepers. And, and we've done the same thing here. Just point proven now. Um, so, so as Peter's nodding off on the school bus, we see the hairs on his arms suddenly rise. Um, Mm -hmm. and of course we see one of Thanos's massive machines hovering above New York city. Um, but it was a perfectly executed scene to, to realize his hairs are standing up. And to me, this almost gave the impression like this is the first time it's happened. Right. Yeah type thing so it's like ooh it felt that way yeah yeah so uh number 8 Loki stole the tesseract from Odin's from Odin's vault um Brett mentioned it kind of reminded him of the cosmic cube it does yeah um but it, it's always been a cube from the beginning yeah so could that lead to cap being a part of hydra after all possibly if this is the way they want to continue going Hmm. But they see how well that went in the comics, so maybe not. <laughs> no. Oh, hopefully not. <laughs> um, so, earlier this month, we speculated that Loki swiped the the Tesseract from Odin's vault when he went to retrieve Surtur's crown in Thor Ragnarok. Um, of course, the trailer doesn't come out and confirm it, but it was easy enough to, to put together. But after stepping past several dead, dead as guardians, we see the god of mischief extending his hand, and a familiar blue glow clump comes to frame. Uh, Loki again is in possession of the space stone, aka the tesseract. Uh, number seven. It's the computer. There we go. Peter dons the iron spider suit. This was amazing. And I was so I was so glad to see it in spi- in the Spider Man colors and not the Iron Man colors. Yeah, 
Again, as we mentioned on Weeby Geeks, the only thing we're not sure of is whether or not it has the the legs that come out of the back. But I love I love too how this has still got the um, next a, a newer look to the the Spider Man logo from the the Stark suit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little more stylish, but it, it looks great. Um, my Spider-Man hat that I got from superhero stuff will look amazing <laughs> with a t-shirt or whatnot that represents this. Uh, at the end of Spider-Man, Tony Stark not only offers Peter a spot on the Avengers, but also offers him a stylish new costume that looks like a hybrid of the iron spider suit and one of Tony's own armors. Of course, the spider suit from Mark Miller. Um, and Steve McNiven's Civil War. Peter declines both in favor of remaining a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So it comes as a surprise when we see him wearing the new suit in the trailer. Uh, we don't get a clear look at any of the suit's new abilities, aside from the light-up eyes, uh, nor do we learn the circumstances behind the decision to upgrade. Uh, my guess would be that it would have something to do with this... You know, Thanos coming and everything, probably. Okay. He might, he needs to up his game. Right. Uh, number six, the Hulk Buster armor makes a comeback. That armor is almost character, a character on its own. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, speaking of armor, another one that resurfaces in the trailer is Tony's Hulk Buster armor, which we saw last in Avengers Age of Ultron. This time, it isn't the Hulk that needs busting. And it's actually a perfect segue to number five. Dennis's soldiers are the Outriders. Uh, we learned several months ago that Thanos arrived on Earth. He wouldn't be alone. Accompanied by the children of Thanos, a.k.a. the Black Order. Um, much like the Chitari uh, in the Avengers and sub-Ultron bots in Age of Ultron, uh, we will see another army of expendable soldiers that is okay for the heroes to kill because they're not human. They're the Outriders. Uh, the Outriders were created by Jonathan Hickman back in 2013 and first appeared in the Infinity, when it fit in 2013's Affinity event. Um, so they're, they're a race of genetically engineered humanoid creatures that possess abilities such as telepathy, invisibility, and density control. Uh, number four, there is a target on Vision's forehead. There's, uh, now, we know that that's the Mind Stone was used to create Vision. Well, it's the Mind Stone that Thanos seeks to add to uh, to the gauntlet. And it's it's not Thanos we actually see trying to take the stone away, but it's an Outrider. I don't know if you caught that. I did. Um, it looks it looks like it could be one yeah one of Thanos's uh, higher up generals. Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on the, on. There's one I'm thinking of, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Anyway, <laughs> um, number three, and this could be taken so the wrong way. Soul Stone is probably in Wakanda. <laughs> it, I don't. I don't want it. There's comments I can make, and it's totally innocent. 
but can be taken so the wrong way <laughs> because it's it's the sarcastic or snarkiness behind my comments that makes me want to go really <laughs> and that's what could get me in trouble um, New York City, New York Central, New York City is central to the Marvel Universe, both in the comics and in the movies. That being said, um, it's surprising to see a lot of footage come that takes place in Wakanda. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. At this, I mean, but we're going to see lots of Wakanda in the Black Panther movie, so I, I think it, I think it's going to be fitting. Um, so I wonder if we get the Soul Stone in, in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Since it hits theaters in February, maybe. And if so, I might make the comment then, because it could lead directly into uh, directly into it, it. It should. It's just it is, it's the Soul Stone sitting on the desk watching Soul Train. <laughs> Had to do it, didn't you? I did. <laughs> Which I think is kind of kind of wrong that they're going the Soul Stone is in. Probably in Wakanda. Sorry. That could be considered a little insensitive if that's where they put it. Because <laughs> there, there can be so many wrong connotations there. Uh, number two, War Machines back in action. And and the picture they show on this on Epic Stream, Cap looks like he's kind of gone into a nomad look with the costume. The, yeah, I noticed that. The star is blocked out. There's no real red everything's kind of grayed it looks amazing i love the, his look yeah beard included sorry i kind of like the beard and, uh, and cap at this point um, I do too. but getting back to war machine things weren't looking too good for uh for roadie when we saw him last in civil war and you know, being accidentally blasted out of the sky by vision he was left paralyzed Although Tony developed a device that could help him, his days as War Machine seemed over. Apparently, that's no longer the case, as we see him in the in the team shot. So, uh, but to be fair, we don't know who truly is in the armor. True, because we never see him in the armor. And then Thor is the first Avenger to meet the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we don't know right now. We don't know how this happens. Or, but all that matters is it happened, and uh, this was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. So uh, now James Gunn already confirmed that the mid, one of the mid credit scenes from Guardians Two uh, is Groot taking place moments before the Infinity War. So it's safe to say that the scene we see with Thor and the Guardians, um, and of course Ragnarok all take place within a relatively close proximity to one another. Yep, definitely. Now, the, here's some questions, though, that that also make you think, you know, that were raised by the by the movie, or by the trailer. Who throws a spear at Steve Rogers? The attacker is Proxima Midnight. Proxima Midnight. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of before. Um... Number two, how does Bruce Banner end up in Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum? Um, Love it. Part of this is, uh, you know, the last time we saw him, uh, Bruce flung himself out of a spaceship to trigger a transformation into the Hulk 
in order to throw out an attack on Asgard. With the battle won, Hulk was present when Thor took the throne of a now-destroyed Asgard. Sometime later, Thor and half-brother Loki were confronted by the Sanctuary too, a massive imposing ship belonging to Thanos. So, um, Hulk doesn't, didn't happen to land in the Sanctum Sanctorum. He was sent there by Loki, most likely, mm. uh, who knows of Strange's headquarters after a visit in Ragnarok. Um, three, what's the, what's with the bodies that Loki steps over? Well, it's the, uh, version, it's, it's like the own version of Noah's Ark for Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with Loki, <laughs> so basically, like we talked about, you know, he's stepping over him as he's getting towards the t- Tesseract. Um, yeah, we'll we'll just have to see there. What's that ring floating over Queens? Is the fourth question. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter Parker is on a school bus when his Spanger sense is triggered. Um, he leaps into action. Is it a portal? If so, to where? Whatever it is, it's wreaking havoc on the city below. Uh, is the big metal donut? That's what I was wondering. What exactly is that? It, it is the the big? See, I had this all queued up. Now I can't find it. <laughs> Stupid me. <laughs> oh well. Um. It is the is the donut? Um, it, you know, is it after something? We we will never know. Well, we might know in the movie, but we're not going to know now. <laughs> and sorry, my brain is in a different direction because I'm trying to find <laughs> trying to find that stupid clip. It's going to get played. Could that be? That could be some part of Thanos' plan. It's in, it was definitely interesting, whatever it was. Yeah. And I don't have that clip. The, only, the other clip I could do is this one. You owe me for one jelly donut! <laughs> so it's not the clip I wanted, but... Um, and then the final... I guess that was the final question. Oh, what does, when does Spider-Man don his iron... Iron Spider armor. Now, of course, we just talked about that, too. Um, Now, he didn't take it at the end of Homecoming, but now he has it. So, who's to say? My guess would be it probably won't... He probably won't start off in that one. That would be my guess. You probably have to to put it on to to face Thanos and, you know... I agree. I agree. That's going on. So... Um, so let's move on because apparently, uh, Kevin Feige made some comments about all of this. Indeed, he did. Interesting ones. <clears throat> now, the first thing, uh, that he says is we'll just throw it out there. Uh, Avengers Infinity War is a finale. Uh, so. Of course, the the MCU has been building towards a big fight with Thanos for almost a decade now, which is really impressive if you really think about that. Yeah. Uh, And that's going to happen in the next two Avengers film, Infinity War, which is coming out next summer. Yay! 
and Avengers 4 coming out in 2019, which is originally called uh, Infinity War Part 2, but now it still has no title. Or does it? (laughs) Dun, dun. And according to Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige, once those two movies are in the rearview mirror, the entire landscape of the franchise is going to change. The stories of the characters we've come to love will be ending, and a new world will begin. So this isn't just going to be your typical, you know, this isn't going to be like Justice League where the heroes all get together and then they beat the villain and everybody has a happy ending after and blah, blah, blah. Right. This is going to have some serious consequences. Um, And in an interview with Vanity Fair, Feige said that Avengers 4 will bring things you've never seen in superhero films, a finale. He went on to explain that the con- bleh, excuse me, the conclusion of the Avengers franchise will mark a major change in the entire universe. One chapter will end, and something brand new will begin. There will be there will be two distinct periods. Feige revealed everything before Avengers four, and everything after. I know it will not be in ways people are expecting. Uh. The departure of the flag- flagship characters will help usher in a new era of heroes for Marvel Studios. Characters like Peter Parker, Captain Marvel, and several others that we probably haven't been introduced to yet will take hold of the franchise, becoming the faces of Marvel going forward. Uh, so, it looks like there's going to be uh, some characters leaving. Some characters yeah. taking over, some characters possibly dying, and uh, that I like. It's going to. I think. I think I'm going to finish a sentence here at some point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's a good time for this to happen. Um, we've had a good run with all of the characters so far, um, all of the Avengers and stuff. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's a good time. It'll be a good time to change for a change. Yeah. And a good way to do it. A good way to kind of, you know, uh, usher out the old and bring in the new. Yep. And it also, it also gives some real stakes to Thanos and, and what's going to happen in these two Avengers movies. Yep. Yep. And that's going to be cool. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm stoked for that. So, um, well, that wasn't the only thing Kevin Feige talked about was the trailer. He also mentioned, too, he wishes Captain Marvel had been released before Wonder Woman. Yeah, um, Marvel Studios has broken down barriers and found great success over the course of the last decade, changing the landscape of Hollywood, creating the cinematic universe as we know it. Um, but with um, Warner Brothers in DC releasing Wonder Woman earlier this year and dominating the box office, the film was truly the definition of a phenomenon. Marvel has their own female-led movie on the way, 2019's Captain Marvel, but the studio head Kevin Feige uh, revealed that he sort of wishes the franchise would have been the first to the punch. 
um, the, oh, come on. Of course, my screen freezes up. Mm-hmm. Um, while speaking with Vanity Fair, Feige was asked if he was hoping Captain Marvel made it to the big screen before Wonder Woman. Of course, this is coming from uh, comicbook.com. Uh, Marvel's man in charge simply replied, yeah, I think it's always fun to be first with most things. Uh, coming in second place, even in one category, can be frustrating for such a successful brand as Marvel Studios. But he doesn't hold any animosity towards Wonder Woman as he went on to joyfully recount the iconic No Man's Land scene from the scene from the movie. Uh, Feige went on to explain that while Captain Marvel may not have been the first female-driven movie, it's certainly going to be an adventure on its own. Everything's going to work out. With a big smile, Captain Marvel is a very different type of movie. So, I think one of the cool things about this is, okay, yeah, Wonder Woman was the first out and it was a great film but what's the chance that Marvel's going to turn around and go yeah this is how you truly do a female led film and really knock it out of the park right yeah and then it's like you know Captain Marvel we've known about this Captain Marvel movie for a while now so it's not like they're jumping on the bandwagon right after Wonder Woman, so I, yeah, I think I disagree. I think it was better that it comes out after Wonder Woman. Yeah, for yeah. The, like for what you just said, you know, you're like, all right, you had your chance. Now it's our turn. <laughs> yep. Whereas if it came out first, Wonder Woman would have been, I think, would have been a totally different movie on its own. Yeah, I agree. So, um. But speaking of movies being totally different on their own, there's that what if scenario. Uh, what and, if? And this is a huge what if. So, not only is this a what if, it's kind of a what the. Yeah. So, yeah. let's just uh, let's just go with the headline, and uh, I'll give you a second to process it. Disney and Fox have reportedly re-entered negotiations. An official announcement could be imminent. So if you you recall a couple weeks ago, there was talk that Fox Fox is looking to sell off their movie division. Uh, And, of course, Disney wanted to buy it and get back, you know, some important franchises and important licenses. Yep. But then, all of a sudden, the talks had died before they had really even started. No. Uh, and then last week, there was word that Sony could possibly buy Fox, <laughs> which, which th- that would be interesting. <laughs> I think there was so little um, hope on that one that yeah, that one didn't make the radar on a lot of things. Yeah. But it was an interesting, an interesting bit of rumor. What if Sony had bought them? So, what the ads? So, uh, according to Deadline, talks have begun to progress rapidly, 
and both sides have gone dark, leading to speculation that a deal is very close to being made. Disney is progressing speedily toward that rumored acquisition of Fox. The version I heard has the Murdoch clan keeping possession of sports and news properties and the rest of TV and the film studio going to Disney. Uh, the deal... Uh, mm? Again, I will classify or clarify the Fox channel that help, that does host The Simpsons is not a part of that. Right, but uh, FX and FXX is... Right? Yes, because they're cable, not mainstream, like right. antenna-based right. stations. Broad, yeah. Broadcast. Uh, so the deal could obviously lead to a comic book fan's dream scenario, but there are those that aren't so enthusiastic about the prospe- prospect now that Fox has begun to make such great strides with risky R-rated projects such as Deadpool and Logan. Um, but I think I think that that concern is unfounded because we know. I mean, just because just because Disney, you know, gets the licenses back doesn't mean they're going to turn Deadpool into a kid-friendly franchise. You know, right? No, no. I Disney would be stupid if they did that. Right. I mean, they must see that how well both of those movies worked and how well they did. Yeah. Not not, not that you want anybody to go the other route and start popping out all kinds of R-rated superhero movies either. Right. But I think if the story calls for it, then you can, you know, or the character, uh, more mature, or I guess you couldn't call Deadpool mature, but... <laughs> uh topic matter so looks like now this could actually be happening that would be very cool it would be very cool we bring all the the fantastic four and and the mutants all back into the mcu and oh man crazy it's crazy to think about doom doom get doom in case you didn't hear it the first time, I, I said Doom. Okay, Doom for him, too. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that could someday lead to a reboot of the Howard the Duck movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Disney, I, I think the MCU has Howard. I believe so, yeah, because he, so, he was in Guardians. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, so that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the possibilities. Well, one can hope. We should However, hope. I, I hope that doesn't... Well, well that's going to be weird for like shows like The Gifted and Legion and stuff. Well, no, Legion's on FX. Yeah. But the gifted is on Fox. But that would still be done by um, by whatchamacallit. Mm. By by it, it'd just be taken over by by Marvel Studios. Right. So I I think would be okay. There's some big changes coming, I know that much. Yeah, there is. Um but you know there there's been some big changes over on the comic side of things as well. Now, Axel Alonso has, is no longer editor in chief. Uh, we have CB Sabolski, and um, 
there was an interesting story from ComicCon.com. Uh, this is a great site. Uh, and really check them out. Uh, I would rank them up there with Bleeding Cool as a, a solid source of, to, to get material from. Um, from Hannah Mean Shannon, who I believe is the editor-in-chief for, for Comic-Con.com, um, her, her article is joining the fray, C.B. Sabolsky and editors as writers. Uh, if you've been following the strange saga of a newly named editor-in-chief at Marvel, C.B. Sabolsky, revelations uh, that he has written for Marvel Comics in the past during a time when he was also an editor for them, but under an assumed name. You may be pondering the pros and cons, but here's the rundown of the information. In the early to mid-2000s, a writer was hired to Marvel after a brief stint writing at Dark Horse Comics. Uh, this writer went by the name of Akira Yoshida. Familiar with him? Mm-hmm. Um, the subjects and stories and themes he often wrote about reflected elements of his Japanese heritage. He wrote Thor, Son of Asgard, X-Men Age of Apocalypse, X-Men Fantastic Four, and several other miniseries. His work was well received. After rumors for some time, rumors which had Marvel, which Marvel apparently denied, Sabolsky has come forward as the writer behind the pen name Akira Yoshida. Yoshida. Why? Why would such a well-established editor write under a pen name? Uh, in this case, it was expressly per- forbidden at the time for a Marvel editor to also write Marvel comics. Or more specifically, be paid for that work. This policy was strictly enforced. What's surprising is Sapolsky would risk his career in, in this way if his bosses at Marvel did not, in fact, know of the ruse. Um, Marvel Comics, as well as many other publishers, have allowed editors to also write comics at their company in the past. Publishers who currently do are IDW, Dark Horse, and Skybound. Uh, this is by no means a, an illegal thing or particularly frowned upon. There are just several other publishers who have allowed people holding non-editorial roles in the company to, to write or co-write their comics, too. If an editor writes a comic, their publisher m- might want first look to approve or turn down the comic before someone who works on them is seen to be going to another publisher. Okay, so yeah... Sometimes if you do this, it's like, oh, I'm about to leave because this is what I want to do. Uh, if an editor works on a licensed property at a publisher, they may know the desires of a licensor in more than in more detail than an outsider, and when provided with a strict outline by a property owner, be more able to work within the needs of that owner. Needs that can often be exacting, making allowing an editor to write a comic project for a publisher an attractive idea um, so basically you know the pros and the cons 
Khan Sabelsky broke company policy. Um, the the pro Sabelsky used a pen name that indicated Japanese heritage and perspective, when that was in fact not the case. So I guess another con. When an editor writes a comic at their employing publisher who edits them, usually it's a fellow editor. That can become conflicted or produce less edited work as friends and coworkers may go easy on each other, not following through as exactingly as they normally would. Um, so, I don't know. To me, I think it's okay. If you're never right, yeah. that's what you want to do. I mean, as long as you're not editing your own stuff, I guess it would, you yeah. know. Yeah. But even then, I don't know. Now, in the first case, Marvel has wavered its, in its policy of allowing editors to write comics over the years. So that may help explain the risks Sabolsky took. But in the second case, the ruse seems like a terrible idea, generally. He could have easily cho- chosen a more appropriate pen name. Uh, see, I argue with this because his wife's Japanese. Yeah, so... he he. I don't know if he's moving back to the States with this editor-in-chief role, but he's practically lives in Japan. I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. I think I think he has enough enough experience to to do it. I don't, I don't really see too much of a problem there. No. It's not it's not like he just randomly chose, you know, I think I'll be Japanese. Right. Now, this is Sobolski's quote that he had with um or he made the following statement to Rich Johnson over at Bleeding Cool. I stopped writing under the pseudonym Akira Yoshida, Yoshida after about a year. It, it wasn't transparent, but it taught me a lot about writing, communication, and pressure. I was young and naive and had a lot to learn back then. But this is all, this is all old news that has been dealt with. And now, as Marvel's new editor-in-chief... I'm turning a new page, and I'm excited to start sharing my Marvel experiences with up-and-coming talent around the globe. So, I think it's a positive overall. Yeah, I think so. So, let, let just to quote Frozen, let it go. <laughs> just Please don't start singing. Let it go. <laughs> so, um, one thing that we're not letting go is Daredevil over on Netflix. Yeah, not yet anyway. Uh, <laughs> not now. Because season three is definitely going to happen on net, on Netflix with a familiar villain and a new showrunner. Uh, season three was officially confirmed back in 2016. Not that there was really much doubt about it. Uh, this time, we'll have a brand new showrunner and executive producer with Eric Olison. Yep. who did Man in the High Castle, taking over for Douglas Petrie and Marco Ramirez. And the big news, the best news, is that Vincent D'Onofrio will return as the kingpin. Yeah. Uh, according to producer Jeff Loeb, Vincent is an exceptional actor who returns with the incredible, incredible gravitas he brings to Fisk. We're very excited how Marvel's Daredevil develops through the creative lens and guidance of our new showrunner, Eric Olison. Uh, 
in other recent news, Wilson Bethel from Heart of D- Dixie has been cast as a series regular for season three. Uh, but he is, is the exact identity of his character has been kept under wraps. But we do know he will play an FBI agent with a critical role in the conflict between Murdoch and Wilson Fisk. So, uh, oh yeah, so you haven't watched Defenders yet, so I don't want to spoil too much for you. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> it's the but, sacrifice uh, we make. Oh, actually, it's <laughs> pretty clever that you should say that, <laughs> because Daredevil kind of sacrificed himself at the end of Defenders. Uh, but, so, and the question, and then at the, spoiler warning, for anybody who hasn't seen it. If you haven't watched Defenders yet, though, what are you doing, Mike? Um, oh, spoiler alert. Hey, there we go. Uh, so Daredevil sacrifices himself to, so the other Defenders can escape at the end of the Defenders. And then at the very end, we see him come, uh, that he did not die and he's been brought back to life. And leave, leaving people to question whether or not they might get into the Born Again storyline from the comics. Which could be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the introduction of the mysterious Sister Maggie character would seem to be the first seed planted for the show to eventually reach what should be its natural crescendo. The classic Frank Miller, David Mazzuccelli story, Born Again. Uh, and Charlie, Charlie Cox says... I know we don't tend to follow any story blueprints too closely, because if you do, then you become a foregone conclusion. There may be elements from Born Again, but I'm sure there will be elements that are unfamiliar and surprising and different in order for the show to be compelling to fans who know the comics very well. If we start making Born Again page for page, then the people who have read it and loved it, the hardcore fans, they won't have too much drama, uh, because they're going to know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, my page froze. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh. No, I don't want to sign up for your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> Get me now. Uh-huh. So, uh, we don't have an official state yet um, for season three. Uh, and fans are also clamoring for Bullseye to show up. That would be awesome. That could happen. Yes, that would. Uh, and uh, again, Charlie Cox said, I can't imagine doing a run of Daredevil where Bullseye doesn't show up at some point. That's true. That would just make sense. True. <laughs> just here on Den of Geek, they, they say uh, Jason Statham might be a good uh, Bullseye. Uh, no. Yeah. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> Just wouldn't be prudent. So it's looking like... I jumped ahead a little. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's looking like uh, with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage season two is coming out in 2018. um, Daredevil might not come out until late 2018 at the earliest, if not later, in uh, 2019 sometime. So, we're going to have to wait a little while still for season three, unfortunately. But it should be worth it. It should be. 
It should be worth well, it. Uh, I'm looking forward to season two of Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so there's that. Well. So it's still going to be a while. That kind of wraps up our stories for the week. Which means there's only one thing left, and I think this is going to be the first time Derek's experienced this. That's the picks of the week. Uh, and of course, we thank the Shazbots for the use of the song Comic Book Shop. Uh, check them out. They've got a new album out, so definitely go support them. Uh, be a great album for you and the kids. Um, for those of you with kids, if not, if you don't have kids, it's still a great album to get right before the holidays. Be some cool music. Uh, Eric, Derek, I'll let you start off first. Ooh, how exciting. It's, uh, it's actually kind of strange being on this side of it for now. I'm usually listening <laughs> to this. So my first pick is Doctor Strange, number 382. It is written by Donny Cates with uh, art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. And the cover artist is Mike Del Mundo. Loki, Sorcerer Supreme, part two. Loki continues to protect the world from the magical threats, but... But that's all it says. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. I think somebody fell asleep on that right up. Uh, it's the interns. You know how. Mm, sure, sure. It, it's. Yeah. In- interns are. They're, it's a rough life. <laughs> so, well, my first pick of the week is, by no surprise, Darth Vader number 17. Writer is Charles Soule. Artist is Giuseppe Carmicoli. Uh, cover artist is Francesco Martina, uh, Martina. As the threat of the Jedi continues to menace the fledgling Empire, Vader finds himself on the trail of, of Jedi. His master has commanded him. Yeah. I'm very surprised you picked that one. Not... <laughs> <laughs> So, on to your second pick. <laughs> All right. My my second pick is Spider-Man number 235, written by yeah, Brian 235. 235, written by Brian Michael Bendis, which who knows how many books there are going to be left of his. <laughs> True. Now that moving on. Uh art by Oscar Basil Duo and the cover artist is Patrick Brown. Sinister Six Reborn, Part 2. The mysterious new Iron Spider rolls into Miles Morales' life with the destructive power of the new Sinister Six. Sadly, for those close to Miles, it's not just his life that's going to get obliterated. Mm. How ominous. Well, my second pick of the week, again, no surprise, the unbelievable Gwynpool, number 23. Unbelievable. Uh, it's a great series. It's been awesome. Uh, writer is Christopher Hastings. Artist is Irene Strzalsk. Sure. Strzalsk. Uh, cover artist is uh, Gary Hiru. Doom Sees You, Part 3. The Unbelievable Gwynpool versus the Mighty Doctor Doom. At last. Only one of them makes it out in one piece. Interesting. 
it is. No, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> so your final pick of the week. Well, those who know me well will know that one of my favorite characters has always been Ghost Rider. So that's no. why I'm indeed, <laughs> uh, despite the movies. Uh, that's my third pick is Spirits of Vengeance number three of five. What were you going to say? I said, let's don't talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah, please. <laughs> uh, so Spirits of Vengeance number three of five. The writer is Victor Gishler. The artist is David Baldion. And the cover artist is Dan Mora. War at the Gates of Hell part three. The Covenant, an ancient summit between the forces of heaven and hell, draws near, and the tensions between both factions are at an all-time high. When the grandest betrayal in history is weaponized, only Ghost Rider, Blade, Hellstorm, and Satana are in a position to stop it. And uh, shouldn't that be Hellstrom? I think so. They wrote those interns again. <laughs> it is interns. So... Well, my final pick is Star Wars Legends Epic Collection Volume 3. It's a trade paperback. Uh, writer is Michael A. Stackpole. Artist is Gary Erskine. Cover artist was Kevin Ryan. Wedge and Tilly's leads the Rogue Squadron into action and adventure. It begins with what should, have, should be a straightforward mission, but will a simple search and rescue end with a requiem for a rogue? Then meet the Empire's answer to to Wedge and his elite band of X-Wing pilots, Baron Fell, Imperial Flying Ace, and his wingman. Wingmen are more than a match for anyone. Will Fell be Rogue Squadron's downfall, or could he be much more? Our heroes will face pirates, vindictive Iceheart, and an Imperial Star Destroyer, but their deadliest mission for all awaits. Now, isn't this? Oh, okay, never mind. Okay. I'm sitting here thinking, but Fell is a TIE fighter pilot, not a X-Wing pilot. And I just realized I, I read that I processed this wrong. He's the Imperial, <laughs> he's the Empire's answer to Wedge and his elite band of pilots. Um, but their deadliest mission awaits if the New Republic is to take hold of Imperial Center and, and turn the tide of war. Rogue Squadron must rescue former would be Emperor Sat prestige. The only trouble is he's wanted by the Empire for high reason. Uh, this collects Star Wars X Wing Rogue Squadron 17 through 35. Nice. So, and then of course, we have the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week. And I, I kind of went with something with the trailer that just came out, but it's not exactly Infinity Gauntlet, which we think Infinity got Infinity War is going to be more about. Instead, I actually went with Infinity War number one. Uh, first came out back in 1992. I uh, was published June 10th, 1992. Um, when an evil, when evil doppelgangers of the Marvel heroes appear, it's all out war. Why has Magus unleashed them all on an unsuspecting world? And is the hero and is the hero's only hope Thanos? Thanos. Uh, the creators on this was um, penciler was Ron Lim. Uh, writer was Jim Starling. 
Letterer, Jack Morelli. Inker, L. Milgram. Editor was Craig Anderson. Colorist, Ian Lachlan. And other colorist was Christy Scheel. So, yeah, I went with uh, Infinity War. That was an excellent, excellent series. Miniseries. So, um, that's going to kind of wrap it up for us this week. Oh, that went by really quick. Yeah, yeah. So, any final thoughts? Uh, other than my excitement about the Infinity War trailer, um, but, you know, <laughs> join the club. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that's it. I think we covered everything. Okay. Well, again, we send our best wishes out to Kylan and to Mac. Um, I hope you guys get better soon. And then I'm just going to turn around and say, until next time. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. Thank you.